It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Charcuterie. Yes, that's what I said, charcuterie. What a crazy week. The San Jose Sharks blending with the San Jose Barracuda. Seven players on COVID protocol along with head coach Bob Bugner. And as the Sharks come on the ice, Brett Hedekin, somehow they have find, found a way to win two big games this past week. What an incredible week and a half for both the Sharks and for the Barracuda. Recalls from the ECHL to the AHL. Recalls from the AHL to the NHL. NHL debuts. Unprecedented player movement. In fact, since the Barracuda were forced to postpone their game against the Stockton Heat on Halloween night, they recalled six players from the ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears. They then signed four players to professional tryout agreements from the ECHL just so they could field a team for Wednesday's game against the Heat. Hello Barracuda fans and welcome to another edition of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger. What a week it was. To make Wednesday's challenge even more daunting, the Stockton Heat entered the first meeting against the Barracuda in over 600 days, riding a four-game winning streak after dropping their opener in overtime. Around 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, the Barracuda made it official. They recalled forward Joe Gareffa from the Orlando Solar Bears and signed defenseman Connor McDonald to a professional tryout agreement from the Utah Grizzlies. Both players arrived around 2.30 in the afternoon, got a bite to eat, took a quick nap, and were at the rink ready to play Wednesday's game. Gareff is a forward by trade, but he did play some defense during his junior career in the Ontario Hockey League. And because the Barracuda were so shorthanded on the back end, Gareff was forced to play back on the blue line. Here was Gareffa on arriving to the rink on Wednesday and finding out that he was going to play defense. Yeah, I know. So the night before, around like 9 o'clock, uh, you know, uh, coach from Orlando called me and uh, said, hey, you're going up. So I have to quickly, uh, you know, uh, get my gear from the rink uh, and then, um, you know, do all my laundry kind of thing and just uh, pack my bags. And, uh, you know, flight was at 8, uh, 8.30 and all that. So I got to the airport pretty early and then, um, you know, flew, flew, you know, had two flights and uh, got in around 2 p.m. So it wasn't too, too bad. You know, had time to get a quick bite and then, you know, a quick nap. And, uh, you know, once I got to the ring final, I was playing D and honestly, I was pretty excited. Uh, you know, I played a lot of D in juniors and I, and I enjoyed playing D. So, you know, I was excited for that and for that opportunity. And, uh, you know, I felt pretty good in the game. So I was happy about that. Before Wednesday's game, defenseman Connor McDonald had played a handful of games in the AHL with the Cleveland Monsters. But here was the Bowling Green product on everything that transpired on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, let's see. We played Friday. So I had practice Friday morning. Uh... Got a text after I got off the ice about 11.30 saying I needed to be on a flight at 1.50. So it was a quick little turnaround. Had to go home for 
about an hour pack, have some breakfast, then uh, jump on a flight and show up and play, I guess. Almost immediately in Wednesday's game, the Barracuda were behind the eight ball. Adam Rizikshu would light the lamp for his fifth of the year, just four minutes and four seconds into the first period. Taken away by Stockton. Here's a chance for the Heat. Backhander the score. Adam Ruziksha takes advantage of a fortuitous bounce. Then less than two minutes later, exactly one minute and 50 seconds after Ruziksha's goal, Luke Philp would tap in a back post pass from Glenn Godden to give the Heat a 2-0 lead. Here comes Godden looking for the back post and they score. Stockton takes a 2-0 lead. It's going to be Luke Philp who cashes in on the back post. Time of the goal at the 5-54 mark. At 11-13, it was again Raziksha with his sixth of the season and his fifth over his last two games to give Stockton a 3-0 lead in the first period. There's a shot tipped through the score. Raziksha's got his second of the game. That's five goals now in his last two outings. And the Heats have a power play goal. It is 3-0 Stockton. Up 3-0, Stockton would continue to pour it on. At 8-12 of the second, Martin Pospisil would make it 4-0 Heat. Gilroy native Dustin Wolf was perfect in the nets for the Heat until 17:57 of the second period, as Scott Reedy jammed home a shot from close range for his team-leading third of the year. 2:05 remaining in the second period. Here's a chance. Scott Reedy scores. Reedy able to just jam it past Dustin Wolf. It's something out of nothing. Reedy's on the board. In the final period, the offense would dry up on both sides, and the Stockton Heat would roll to their fifth straight win behind 23 stops from Dustin Wolf. Wolf idolized the Sharks as a kid and idolized goaltender Yevgeny Nabokov, who inspired him to play the position. The Flames selected Wolf in the seventh round of the 2019 NHL entry draft. So after Wednesday's 4-1 loss to the Heat, the Barracuda would shift their attention to Saturday afternoon in the Texas Stars. Sandwiched in between Wednesday and Saturday, though, were some much-needed practices. The Barracuda continued to shuffle their roster, including the signing of former Barracuda defenseman Patrick McNally to a professional tryout agreement. The team also recalled forward Christopher Beek from the Solar Bears. After passing his second straight COVID-19 test, for Noah Gregor was granted to return back to the lineup on Saturday afternoon for the Barracuda. At 12.30 of the first period, he would make his presence felt, lighting the lamp for his third of the year. Oakham Blickfeld into the offensive zone for Gregor off the post. He scores! But the Texas Stars would answer back. On the power play, Andreas Borgman from the midpoint would tie the game up at 14.50. The entire team was held off the score sheet in the opener. Here's a hard shot from the point at Texas has drawn even. It's a power play goal. A blast from the point. Had eyes. Then late in the first at 18.57, Oscar Bach will give the Stars their first lead. He takes a check. That probably should have been an interference penalty. Here's a chance for the Stars. They score. Noah Gregor took a hard body check from Kamano. At 328 of the second, Josh Melnick would make it 3-1 Texas. Mark Alt, who played it to Parcells, but here's a chance for the Stars on a turnover, a two-on-one, and Texas strikes its 3-1. 
but the Barracuda would continue to push back. And at 6.15, Jaden Holmgawak's on the man advantage would make it 3-2 Texas. Shot is blocked by Bartow. Recovered Barracuda. Shot scored. Holmgawak's top shelf. It's a power play strike. And the Barracuda are within one. But at 15.52, Frederick Karlstrom of the Stars would light the lamp for his second of the year to push Texas's lead back up to two. But veteran defenseman Mark Alt would swing a puck in on net at 18.51 that would beat Jake Ottinger to cut the lead back down to one. As there's a wrister shot scored! Mark Alt swings one towards the net and the Barracuda are back within one. Unfortunately, in 1918, Riley Tufty would push it back up to a two-goal lead for the Stars. Going into the third period, head coach Roy Sommer elected to pull starting netminder Alexei Melnichuk and replace him with rookie goalie Zach Amon. For Amon, it marked his first AHL action. Amon would allow two goals on 12 shots in the final period of play as the Texas Stars would get goals from Alex Petrovic and Curtis McKenzie to pick up the 7-3 win. Entering Sunday, the Barracuda had dropped their last three straight, going 0-2-1 during their four-game homestand. But they looked to wrap up their homestand in winning fashion, and they would get a boost to their lineup as Joel Shellman and Artemi Kenyazov were both reassigned back to the American Hockey League on Sunday morning. Sommer would also elect to go with young 21-year-old Zach Amon in the nets for the Barracuda, his first American Hockey League start. Amon had gone 2-1 and one in three games played with the Solar Bears. Like Saturday, the Barracuda would get off to a quick start. In fact, they would score the quickest goal of the 2021-22 season so far, as Jake McGrew tipped in a Christopher Beek shot at 1.43 to give the Barracuda an opening period lead. And Ryan Shea, who did not play yesterday, back into the lineup here today. Here's a chance for Beek! He scores! Christopher Beek! But Oscar Bach again would find a way to tie it up at 4.24. But at 5.33, during a delay of game penalty, Dylan Hamelick was able to clean up a Evan Weinger shot off the right pad of Ottinger for his first AHL goal. Barracuda back into the Oso. Weinger tripped up. Big rebound. They score! Dylan Hamelick, his first in the American Hockey League. And the Barracuda take a 2-1 lead. At 8.42, though, Joel Esperance would tie it up for the Stars at 2-2. And at 10.50, Curtis McKenzie would give Texas its first lead. But the Barracuda would show resolve less than two minutes later. Sasha Shomolevsky on the power play would score his first of the year in highlight reel fashion. Left for Shomolevsky. He'll lug the mail through center. Takes a peek behind him. Carries it into the ozone. Splits the defense. Works it. He scores! Oh my! What a goal! Shevalevsky has his first of the year, and they do not get much prettier than that. At 5.44 the second period, though, Riley Tufty would score his fifth of the year to give Texas back their lead. So going into the third, down by a goal, the Barracuda would begin the final frame on the power play. And while on the man advantage, Joachim Blickfeld dry penalty for cross-checking against Andreas Borgman. 
and Blickfeld, still searching for his first goal of the year, would make the Stars pay as he'd bring one off the crossbar and in to tie the game up. Shabalevsky, Paul Gawak, Blickfeld, Wade scores! The time of the goal at 1.16. Then at 5.38, Jake McGrew would light the lamp again, marking his first two-goal game of his AHL career. Loses the puck, turnover for Snow by McGrew. Works to the right side, shot, he scores! Jake McGrew and the Barracuda have a 5-4 lead! But again, Oscar Bach would find a way to propel the Stars back to level with his second in the game and fourth of the year. So all tied up late in the third period, the Barracuda will go back onto the power play. They're eighth of the game. And Joel Shulman, who drew back into the lineup after getting reassigned from the Sharks in the morning, would become the hero at 1746, as Noah Gregor found him uncovered on the back post. Who awaits its arrival? Shulman far side, down low for Gregor. Settles the puck, down back door! They score! Evan Weinger would seal the victory with an empty netter. The Barracuda would finish with a season-high seven goals, a season-high three power play goals, and Noah Gregor would pick up his first three-point effort of his AHL career. With the victory, the Barracuda moved back to 500. Here was head coach Roy Sommer on his team finding a way to get the job done. All four lines contributed. I thought we were better in our own end as far as coming out. We didn't spend as much time in there, so... It all kind of, you know, fell together, and we just kind of stuck stuck with it and scored seven goals. The Barracuda are back in action this upcoming Friday against the Abbotsford Canucks at the Abbotsford Event Center. It marks the first matchup in franchise history against the Canucks affiliate who joined the AHL's Pacific Division this past offseason. It also marks the first of two on the weekend and the first game on the eight-game season series. When we come back, we'll talk to Barracuda Marketing Manager, Kendra Hodgden. Now, back to the action. Barracuda Hockey continues now. We are very, very pleased to be joined by one of the newest members of the staff. We continue to grow out the staff as we prep for next season, the team moving into its own facility. But Kendra Hodgden is our latest guest, our Cuda Confidential. Very kind of her to join us. We're really excited, uh, not only for her to join the staff and the team, but also for us to uh, have her on and have her tell her story a little bit. Uh, she is the manager of marketing and digital media for the team. Kendra, first of all, I'm sure your head is spinning, but how are things going now that you've been with the team officially in the, the facility now for, for a couple of weeks, I think three weeks or so is, is how long you've been, but uh, how are things going? Oh, it's, it's going good. Um, I'm just coming in and meeting everyone and everyone's been so kind. Um, even the players, we've already gotten to do some really fun creative with them. Um, so yeah, it's been good so far. It is the beginning of week three. So trying to get everything set up for everyone and get ready for next year too. So that's the, the fun part of this position right now. 
we know how it all goes. When you go to a new job, it feels like the first two weeks at minimum, maybe even the first month, you're just trying to figure out how to get into your email, how to send people messages, how to find out who does what, what people's names are. I mean, it feels like there's a hundred people that work for the team, especially when you've got two pro teams under the same building, but I'm sure things are starting to slow down. Faces are starting to become recognizable, but there's a lot that goes into moving into a, a new position in a new role with a, with a new team, isn't there? Oh yeah, definitely. Now I'm definitely starting to get to know names and faces, just like you said. Um, I'm not getting lost in the staff as much still every now and then. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's definitely like a settling in moment. I feel better today probably than I have the days before and it's only going to be up from here. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to bring you on because not only do I want to kind of introduce you to fans, but I also want you to be able to tell your story a little bit so fans know who you are and what you're all about because you are going to be working almost side by side with, with many of our fans as we continue to move forward. And, and you're going to be the one pushing out information and, and exciting information, right? Marketing is fun because there's a lot of cool stuff that uh, sports teams can do. So rewinding quickly back to your last position, you've been locally in the Bay Area for the last, I guess, year and a half or so, maybe a little bit longer, a little bit less. But I know COVID has played a big factor, but this is your first real sports job if you I know you came from Kansas State where you were working a little bit in the sports department but tell us about what you were doing prior and why you were intrigued to to cross the line if you will and and now start working in the sports realm yeah of course um so I always grew up in kind of like a food and beverage environment event if, if you will and I always kind of loved all of the excitement and just craziness of it all I know it's not for everybody, but for some reason, I was always really intrigued by that. And after college, I had gone into my job with Sodexo at K-State in athletics. Um, and it was, it was just like that. It was everything I was doing in my internships in college. Um, in college, I was working with Charleston Wine and Food Festival, Charleston Fashion Week, doing like rum fest. Um, and then once I got into that that athletics part of events, I immediately fell in love with it. Um, Now, I will say it took me a little bit longer to figure out it was the sports part of it that I was in love with because I was in food for so long. And after sports was taken away, because I, I got a promotion a year into the position to come out to the Bay Area and still work with Sodexo, but do our corporate accounts. We had 30 accounts in the, in the Northern Bay Area. Um, I realized, okay, it's not Sodexo that I like. It's, it was athletics. That's what I miss. That's the fun. Um, it just, I found out like the Monday nine to five, it, it wasn't my jam. Like I wanted more. I wanted to interact with fans. I wanted to interact with crowds. I'm, I'm just a people person in that sense. I started working when I was 14 years old. And so it's, you can almost say it's a part of my personality. It's just, I grew up like that, um, working and working with people. So when I saw this job come along, I knew I wanted to apply for it. And I definitely had to put myself out there and say, look, I know my background is this part with sports, but I want to be in the actual sports. I want to be down there. I want to be in the nitty gritty. I want to be with all the action. And luckily I've been given this opportunity and I'm super excited. So 
So I'm happy to be here. And like you said, the, the pandemic put me on halt for a little bit as much as everyone else. So I had a different position for a little bit. I was working in restoration. Maybe that will come in handy here and there. Whenever we have some kind of emergency, I can probably hook them up with the right people. <laughs> hey, it's funny how it works. It doesn't matter where you work. Even I, I can revert back to when I was like 16, I was working at a Whole Foods. There's funny things that you pick up. It doesn't really matter what you do that you can translate to, to what you do now. I think it's just life skills and things that uh, that you acquire can be applicable to other things. I want to ask, were you a big sports fan as a kid or did you play some sports as well? What what drew you to athletics? Um, I did play sports as a kid. I am naturally a little clumsy. So I don't think anyone thought I would be athletic and my parents were kind of shy to put me in sports for that reason. Um, and while I was pretty clumsy in the sports that I did do, I think they definitely helped me become at least a little less clumsy over the years. Um, I did cross country, so I'm a runner. Um, I did that all through high school until I like blew out a hip my senior year when I was team captain, I was absolutely devastated. I can still run sometimes. I can run like a couple miles, but that was my go-to. And then I was on a travel dance team. I was a cheerleader. I, I played tennis, um, but I tried about every sport in the book. I tried soccer, I tried softball, but those were the sports that kind of stuck with me. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, I know you were living in the San Jose area, I believe Campbell. So you mm -hmm. obviously were familiar with what the Sharks were all about and the Barracuda. But had you ever thought about working in hockey? Were you a fan of hockey? Where did the hockey thing or was it kind of osmosis a natural progression being that you were in the city and you were aware of the team? So I actually did grow up loving the Caps. I hope I don't get booed and jeered for saying that right now, seeing as we're playing them very soon. But <laughs> or the as long playing. as it wasn't the Penguins, when we think about Eastern Conference teams, there's still a sour taste in the mouth of Sharks fans after uh, that Stanley Cup uh, final, probably five or well, five, six years ago. But Caps are okay. Caps are okay. Yeah, absolutely. No, we hate the Penguins also. Even, I'm from Maryland, so that's where – I don't even know if I said that. I'm from Maryland. That's why I was a Caps fan. Um, and then, oddly enough, when I was in college at College of Charleston in South Carolina, I used to love going to the Stingray Games, which is the ECHL team that's there. Um, and we just took on Sam, who maybe you interview in the future, um, and she comes from the Stingrays, and she's going to be taking over our ticket sales. So it's just a small world how that works, but... Um, I'd say that's where my kind of love for going to, to games comes from. I mean, I always enjoyed going to like minor league games for like baseball, but Charleston was the first place that I lived that there was, there was a facility that was right there that I could go to whenever I wanted. And I, I loved it. You're referring to Samantha Davis, who is part of the new crew, the, the new influx of talent, if you will, of, of new hirees as we again forge towards our new arena and forge towards building out a staff and what I think is going to be 
just an awesome product and it's going to be built up and the foundation is going to be the staff that's being created right now and you're part of it. So it's awesome again to have you on as we're talking to Kendra Hodgden, who was hired just what it's been over a month, but you're now in the office for three weeks running the marketing department. I know fans want to ask because everybody asks, what are we doing promotions wise? What are we doing specialty jersey wise? And what are the cool things that are going to be going on in the new arena? And I don't ask you, I don't want to ask you to, to, to give up any secret information, but give us an idea, some of your thoughts, um, molding and shaping some of the promotional schedules and, and what, what you hope to, to implement with the team moving into its brand new building next year. Um, you're definitely going to see a new look, a new feel of the actual team. It's not just going to be the facility. Um, you're going to see us maybe having a little more attitude on social media, um, maybe trying to start some small fires here and there before they come and play us, which will be interesting. Um, definitely going to be doing some fun new merch for people to buy. And if COVID allows, hopefully we can get a little more into the community with the, with the players again. And, you know, who knows what next season has in tail. I mean, I might know, but I don't, I don't know if I'm sharing yet. So <laughs> we don't want to divulge all the fun stuff uh, on tap, but I, I did notice, and you mentioned maybe starting a few small fires. It's, it's apropos because I did notice a, a tweet coming from the account uh, towards the newest member of the Pacific division next year. And that's the Coachella Valley Firebirds. I, I'm still trying to get, I feel like it's a big mouthful, but I, was, I thought the logo was really cool. I thought the reveal was cool, but you know, it's some, it's some gamesmanship, uh, some jousting uh, between two franchises that will become rivals next year. Yeah. I don't, if you haven't seen the interactions from everyone in the AHL towards the Firebirds on Twitter, when they announced, I recommend looking because it was actually quite hilarious. There was a lot of memes. Um, Stockton, he was like, you literally took our mascot, <laughs> which just may or may not kind of be true, you know, <laughs> each their own on their opinions on that. But yeah, that's just the beginning. And I hope our fans can kind of jump in on the fun there and retweet us and, um, you know, tweet too that they're in our corner and, you know, we're going to win and anything, anything that's tasteful. <laughs> really? Yeah, of course, right. You play within the lines. I, I, I did notice that tweet from Stockton. I thought it was pretty creative. They basically took every logo in the division. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were saying that the Firebirds are a mashup of every logo in the division. There is, I think there's some truth to it. You've got birds in our division you've got flames in our division um what else do we got we've got uh the the uh the road runners in tucson so you've got the desert vibe i mean it is kind of a mashup of uh of everybody in the division but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for a new club to, to join the fold next year it should be fun we got abbots for this year um i want to talk quickly before i, I let you go i, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of the mentality of the Barracuda and what can be built now that the team is going to go into its own building. There's been a connection with the Sharks, as you would expect, and a great one in a marriage, but there's going to be kind of an identity rebuild for the team as well. And we talk about minor league sports 
it's different than major league sports because you, I think you can do much, much more. It's more lighthearted. It's not as much dependent on the result on the field or on the ice. Now you want to win, of course, but it's about family fun entertainment. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of the philosophy you feel like for the team moving forward through this year and then going into next year, this is really going to be something that families are, are going to leave this experience and be like, wow, that was so fun. And not only was it fun, but it was affordable. Yeah, no, definitely. We're able to do a lot more um, in the AHL than, than the Sharks can do. And having a team that, that, that knows that they can have that fun and, and do those things that the Sharks can is going to be really beneficial for anyone who wants to come to one of our games. They're going to see, they're going to have a different experience. They're going to get to have a lot more fun in some ways, and they're going to see a little more personality maybe than they would see um, otherwise. So we'll see what what specials we're able to do. But I think throughout the year, you're, you're this year, you're going to see we're going to be adding a little bit more here and there, just kind of getting ready for next year. So if you go to the games this year, it's almost going to be like a taste tester throughout until the big reveal. Um, of course, there's still going to be the, the shock value and the, the big reveal when it does happen, but you're going to, you're going to definitely see a difference in the way the Barracuda are supported. And, you know, I'm just so excited that our players are finally going to have a team that's just for them. So. Totally. And, and to be able to have that identity, I've already noticed that though, there is kind of a, a ascension right now of promotional items. I think it's been already talked about when Eric addressed some of the season ticket holders, Eric Grunfast, who runs our business operations. Second half of the year, we'll see a couple of specialty jerseys. We've got some early start games for Kids Day. Uh, there, there's more things on tap, of course, throughout the year. We just announced we'll have $3 beers mm -hmm. uh, every Saturday and yep. one of our hot dogs on Fridays. And we've got some ticket packages, too, on tap. So I think as the season continues along, it'll ramp up, and that'll only be a precursor to next year and things on tap. Um, awesome stuff, Kendra. We, we can't thank you enough. It, it was nice to hear a little bit about your background. I know fans are excited to, to run into you in the concourse and, and to see what you have in store. And as you start to build out your team as well. But uh, I know I can personally say really happy to have you excited to have uh, you join the mix. And I think we've got a great team that we're building and um, you're right at the forefront. So thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I definitely encourage any fans to come up and ask me any questions. Um, Cause I, I am from a little bit of all over. I lived in Maryland, South Carolina, Kansas. Now I'm here. So Anyone connects with that, we can chit chat and have some fun, and and <laughs> I'm, I'm happy sure, to I'm do sure, that. So <laughs> I'm sure they're they're out there. When you when you touch different regions of the country, you know you could have a you could have connections with folks from all over. Uh, Kendra, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate it, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll probably get you on again at some point, maybe maybe towards the latter half of the year. But um, thank you again for the time. Yeah, thank you for having me.